Welcome to the Seeing Through the Numbers podcast. My name is Amanda Fisher, the Cashflow Queen and author of Unscramble Your Numbers. Welcome to episode 14 of the Seeing Through the Numbers podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be talking to Roland Hanacrude, author of the 10 Truths series of books and business life coach for small business owners. Welcome, Roland. G'day, Amanda. Nice to be here. So tell me a little bit about your background and how you became the business life coach. Hmm. Okay. Well, um, uh, I'm quite old these days. I'm nearly 60. And um, uh, so I've had, I've done, I've, I've done a few things, but uh, all through the 80s and 90s and beginning of the 2000s, I was a builder. I had a building company in Sydney, and um, in 2003, I sold that building company to um, to someone, and um, then I started on this path that I'm on now as a business coach and then later business life coach. I, I did a lot of training and and studying of uh, all kinds of uh, disciplines around coaching and mentoring and counseling and consulting. And uh, it slowly started to develop into what I do now, which I now refer to as business life coaching, because I work with business owners on helping them build great businesses and lives. Because I think the two are um, intricately connected. You can't just look at business and uh, forget about people's lives. And besides, the business is a reflection of who the owner is. So um, treating those in isolation uh, from each other seems a silly idea to me. So so, so do you have a different view on work-life balance, that that's, a, that's a, a misnomer, that there is no such thing as work-life balance, we just have life? Um, well, that's – I could have said exactly that, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just that whole work-life balance thing, I think, is a myth, especially in small business, um, because it's impossible to know where your business finishes and you start. And um, and more to the point, you often don't particularly want to. It's I mean, you spend an enormous part of your life working this business. Why wouldn't you want to treat that as part of your life and give it the priorities that you give other parts of your life? Which is not to say that you should never, that you can't ever switch off from your cash flow, quite the opposite, of course, but it's perfectly, perfectly okay to let everything mix, mix in a big mixing pot and, um, and have your business reflect what's important to you in your life. Okay, so, I, so I'm really interested in this one because this is one I really struggle with, mm. and that is I love what I do, mm. no question. I'm, I, I, I love it. Mm. But I end up working ridiculously long hours, mm. weekends and things, and, like, for me, I'm doing what I love. So it doesn't feel like work, and yet I know I'm, I'm probably not working perhaps as effectively and efficiently as I could or should be because I am working the longer hours, but yet it seems to sort of take over my whole life. Do you have any, I don't know, <laughs> I'm probably asking you a coaching question. Oh, yeah. <laughs> do you have any tips and suggestions on how you do kind of go, you know what, it's six o'clock at night, 
end of my work day, I'm going to, and particularly for those of us that work from home, which I do, um, how do you kind of make that easier to chop the working day down to a work day and make sure that you have that lot personal time, family time, um, you know, social time that, because uh, cause to me, I, I just keep going. Yeah, well, your question kind of makes an assumption and, and the assumption is that, that that, what you do, is bad. I, I, I don't see it as necessarily bad unless it feels bad for you. Right. I have a, you know, a, a, a kind of a glib statement that um, I think is actually really important one to f reflect on, and that is if it feels good, it is good. But when I talk about feeling good, it really, it, it really means deep inside feeling good. If you deep inside feel good about doing, um, doing something at 9 o'clock on Friday night, um, if you enjoy it, if you're having fun, you know, I write about fun in my books and stuff like that. If, you, if you're having fun doing it, why would you want to do anything else? Thank you. That, thank you. And, yes, people think I'm crazy because I have fun doing numbers, but that's, you know, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's what I geek out on. Well, yeah, I mean, other people collect, other people play with model yeah. trains or collect stamps or whatever, whatever happens to turn your particular brain cells on. And if that feels good, it is good. There is nothing, nothing wrong about that. And if it, but of course, you know, you, you get worn out. And like you said, you're working too hard, too long, too many hours, you get tired and you become inefficient and grumpy and all that kind of stuff. Well, but that's, that's when you've crossed this point about, if it feels good, it is good. It's not feeling good anymore. So then you've got to say, okay, well, I've got to do something to make this feel good again. But and and that may be simply to turn off or whatever, or to manage your demands on yourself in a different way and all that kind of stuff. But we always seem to start with wagging the finger at ourselves, saying, oh, "I'm working too hard. This is bad." Well, if it feels good, it is good. Oh, I like that. I'm going to take that mantra on board. Thank you, Roland. That's um. Oh, good. Thank you for sort of giving me permission to <laughs> to not beat myself up when I. I look up at and, and realize it's eight o'clock at night and I haven't had dinner yet and I really probably I better have something to eat and suddenly realize I'm hungry at that point as yeah, well. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I mean it's like it sounds like you're in flow when you when you're at, when you're at that point and that's 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 the thing most of us just attain every now and then sometimes and and, and if that's if you're getting for if you're reaching that kind of state at times doing what you do. Well, you, you keep doing it. It's great. And <clears throat> look, I could I could talk about this for days. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to stop you there because. But it's one of the biggest things I find. <laughs> just quickly, Dorado. But it's the biggest things I find that small business owners are unbelievably guilt driven. We're constantly right. wagging our finger at ourselves yep. about oh, we should do this, should do that, and. Give yourself permission to um, to do what feels good. Yeah, excellent. So let me let me take it down another tangent because I'm all about the numbers and cash flow. I'm not known as the cash flow queen for nothing. But so in terms of what your from your experience and and it's great to know that you've been on what I call on the other side. So you've actually run a business. You're not someone who is talking to business owners with no concept of what it's like to be. Mm. And what I call on the other side, actually doing it yourself. Yeah. What are the what are the why are numbers important in in business from 
this perspective that you look at um, when you're coaching clients? It kind of comes back to that horrible cliche, what gets measured gets managed. If you can measure it, you can manage something. It's a cliche because not everything that uh, is worth doing can be measured and not everything that can be measured is worth doing. But in business, it's very difficult to manage aspects of business that you have no way of measuring improvement on. You need to be able to, you need to, be able to look at a process or a product or, a, or, or an outcome and say, okay, well, that needs to be better. So to be able to make that better, I need to get a starting point. So the simplest one, of course, is profit. You need to be able to say, well, this is how much profit we made last year. That was not enough. We need to make X more than that this year. And then you can start, then you can set a measurement right. up on that. And so, do you, so, so in terms of what you do, do you have any, do you have any key numbers that are, are common that you're always talking about and looking at and measuring? And, and it may not necessarily be the dollars too. I think that, you know, there are lots of other numbers in business that are important. Do you have kind of a favorite few that you use regularly? Yeah, yeah, well, yes, I do. And there are, you already mentioned that there are dollar numbers and there are non-dollar numbers. The dollar numbers are nearly always the ones that, the, the, a few basic dollar numbers are all nearly always the ones that are direct people encourage people to, to, to get on top of first though, because they're the easiest ones to, um, uh, to deal with in a lot of ways. I, um, and I'm a, I'm a great fan of going for the low hanging fruit. I just, and the low hanging fruit is always in those first dollar numbers. And we'll get back to the non-dollar numbers, um, in a moment, if you like, but so the, the key, the key dollar numbers I get people to um, I encourage people to get on top of to get a, get 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 a handle on get their fingers on um, is the first one is always break even yep I, I largely work with people in service businesses my experience is there so uh, you know people in trades and people in professional services and designers and people who sell their time uh, in some way for 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 money and so I always talk about break-even in weekly and monthly um, turnover number. Yeah. So how much how much do we have to bill invoice every week uh, and every month? Mm. Simply, how much does it cost us to open the doors to have the business? So the difference. Um, there is every week, every month. There is a there is a certain amount of money that has to go to the overheads, the, the, um, the, the electricity, the, the rent, the mobile phones, the insurances, the um, petrol and the toll fees and all that kind of stuff. They, they, they get paid uh, no matter what, whether or not you bring in a dollar, whether or not you do any work, how much money do you have to make every week? How, how much money you have to bill invoice every week to be able to pay all the fixed costs? Now, um, and and it's fa it's fascinating. I find just how few business owners have any idea mm. what that number is. Yeah, I know it's really it's really been Very. an eye opener for me in the last fifteen years that very few people really understand it. So, and I'll talk later about um, why it's so important. But you asked me which are, which are the key numbers. So break even is one. Um, uh, gross profit is yes. another one. 
gross margin, well, gross profit and gross margin. There's 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 two of them, and because they relate to uh, to uh, to break even. And of course, net profit is an important one, but it's kind of the one that drops out at the end after you've done everything else. Um, so break even, break even, which is you know relates to um, to weekly revenue, monthly revenue. And uh, and gross margin, they're they're the key ones, and then of course there's something about some number about you know cash, what how much money you've got in the bank. It's all very well to make profit if you've got no money in the bank and you can't pay your bills. Correct. And that's a key one, and then the other one I I often look at with people in service businesses um, is called age debtors. Um, age debtors is simply how much money do we owe to others. Um, to other organisations, and especially how does that how does that track over time? So, is that number how much we owe to people to people growing or shrinking? Because if it's if it's growing, it means that you've got a cash flow problem. If it's shrinking, um, it means that you're on top of stuff. Yep. Yeah. No. That that's that's good because a lot of people worry about their receivables, their aged debtors, not and don't worry so much about the creditors, what they owe. Um, and it's very mm. insidious how that uh, amount you owe can sort of creep up over a period of time if you're not keeping an eye on it and paying it and things yeah. are starting to get out of control. So yeah. excellent. Yeah, it's a it's a real key indicator mm, for that there's a problem in the business. Love that. Love that. And in terms of non-financial metrics, any, any yeah, a couple of, Obvious ones that you always look. Yeah, it gets a bit more complicated um, because there is so much yeah. that you can focus on, and it's it really kind of depends on each business. I um, and and on each business, and therefore the what's important to the owner of the business. I mean, a, a really useful one to keep track of is the number of inquiries you get mm. every week, every month, um, because it's a. I mean. I mean, you and I have talked about this in the past. With the, the the value of um, measuring that those kind of historical numbers is not in their history, because who cares about history? It's interesting, but it doesn't actually change your change your world. But the value of those numbers is about how that can can indicate what's going to happen in the future, right? And that that allows you to start preparing for the future. So, yep. the value of how many inquiries you you get is is that it starts to give you some level of information about what's going to happen in the future, whether or not you're going to be busy in the future. Yeah. That combined with a with what I refer to as a conversion rate, a conversion number, is how many of those inquiries that I got did I convert into um, into being able to do quotes, and how many of those quotes I convert into um, into into jobs. Yep. Having some sense of num of those numbers is a, is is really um, important because it can tell you well okay, three months down the track we're going to be so busy yes um, uh, we're going to need to hire someone else or or we need to go to the bank and borrow some money because it's going to we're going to need more cash for that or whatever there's mm. there's a um, kind of sort of the numbers yeah. that are in the pipeline I know I've got a a a, a business at the moment that's uh, in the construction industry and the mm. pipeline of work the inquiries they've got it it's just it's just sort of crazy but yeah in terms of the fact that they're going to need to yeah multiply out their staff numbers quite significantly 
But then, mm. as you would also understand, the construction industry, someone inquiring today doesn't necessarily mean the job's going to happen next month. It might take no. three, six, twelve months before you actually actually get that you get to you know doing the job for all the various other delays and things that happen. So um, it's a really interesting balancing game. Yeah. When I was a bit, when I had my building company, it would often would routinely take take a couple of years between signing somebody up mm. uh, or between an initial inquiry, signing them up, and then actually starting building work. Yeah. Would take two, three years. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a, that, that's a that is an industry that has a particularly long lead time, and most most are much shorter. But there's still often, you know, I find often that you know, people do inquire and then nothing happens, and then sort of three months, six months later, they sort of suddenly pop their head back up again as oh, I'm ready yeah. to do X, Y, Z, and you know, you've moved on, forgotten who they were, and <laughs> not quite. <laughs> but yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. They didn't act on it straight away, so you've kind of gone, okay, well, you know, yeah. it is what it is. Yeah. You know, you win some, you lose some, and, you know, you got busy with something else, and then suddenly they pop up their head and go, oh, okay, all right, so yeah, now yeah, you're ready. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. quite funny. Yeah, it's really – and it's funny how they can all run together. I mean, I, in what I do now, this business life coaching, I mean, I, my lead times can be enormously long, like years as well. I mean, I've recently finished work with a client who, who – um, who I first met eight years ago. Wow. And then we started working. We worked for a year. So it was yeah, seven years between first meeting and finally get, actually getting him as a client. Um, um, but the funny thing is then it, that it often then comes in waves. I've, um, I go through really long periods of time without any, any inquiries or any clients wanting to start. And then suddenly I get these waves five six seven well, all wanting to start at once or something it's quite yeah. weird yeah. anyway but yeah yeah so that's it that, that's 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 key numbers there's something about um a number that can give you some kind of indication of your quality now the quality of the work you do in your in-service business so if you if you're um if you're a plumber or something you know if you if you, you can measure how often you get how often you get callbacks for installations because that'll start giving you an indication one of whether you need to do more training with your people or for your or yourself, mm. um, uh, or um, or whether you um, you know whether whether there's something wrong in your processes. If you if you often get warranty callbacks, and the thing is, warranty callbacks will literally suck up the profit you make on a job nearly completely every time, mm. um, unless you make enormous margins. And and so um, every for every job you get a callback on, it's probably a job true, you make no money true. on. And and so yeah, you know if you depending on what size of the business is that that can be a really significant cost. So having some way of measuring how often you get callback to um, fix a problem with an installation of a new water heater or something like that you've you've made. Um, but but what surprises me on 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 for a lot of businesses and and particularly the tradies is 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 having a system in place to even have a little bit of feedback on you know were you happy with the job were you mm. you know with a few questions I just recently had some taps changed mm. and the plumber came in he turned up on time um, nice enough fellow all the rest of it but you know what he left the biggest mess in every single. You know, he was trying to say changing taps. I got mess in every bathroom, every <laughs> sink, 
Um, he left all the boxes and stuff behind, even though he asked me at the beginning whether I wanted him to take them away, and I said, yes, please. I even gave him a large garbage bag to put it in, but he didn't. He left the biggest mess behind, and you know what? I'm not going to call him back. I'm now looking for a different plumber to do some other work we still need to get done because I don't want him back. And if he'd given me a feedback opportunity, hmm. I wouldn't have been able to say to him, well, yeah. And you did a good job, and I think, look, I'm happy with the work you did. Nothing wrong with the work, but, mate, you need to clean up after yourself. You can't just leave a complete mess everywhere. Like, it was just appalling. Anyway. Um, he, needs a, yes. he, he needs a business coach. That's a nice segue to another key number I often talk to people about is um, uh, customer service satisfaction. So, you know, customer satisfaction, and there's different ways you can measure that and do the simplest one I've found is something called the Net Promoter Score, which I won't go into detail of how to um, how to measure that, but it, it gives you a level of, it gives you a, it's a system by, of, by which you can measure the satisfaction of your customer, customers expressed in a single number, which literally means that you can have like a, like a dashboard on your desk showing what your current right. level of satisfaction in the business is. And it's a, an incredible key number to uh, because that is a perfect example. That plumber is never going to get another call from you. But worse, the opportunity, um, the oppor- he's wasted an opportunity for referrals to other clients because you're not going to Absolutely. Talk, talk, refer him to anybody. So no. his, all his marketing, all the marketing he's done to get to get you as a client has gone wasted because he sure he got you as a client, but all the potential work that could have come from that um, is gone. And we do need to move on. And um, coming up now to just a final few questions. First of all, uh, what's your favourite or pivotal book that you've read or a recent book you've read that might be useful? Mm, I'm not allowed to mention three, am I? You can actually. I'll 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 let you go. Okay. Well, there's a kind of, in the small business world. There's a kind of bible, and I love it and hate it with equal measure. But it's been a really important book for me, and I think it is really important for people to read it. Well, quite apart from my own books, of course. My own books, of course, are the pinnacle of uh, of brilliance as far as business books are concerned, and I encourage everybody to read them. Read them, and what's more, they're free. But um, besides, yeah. <laughs> But besides that, and of course, then there's Amanda's books. Amanda's books are possibly even better than mine. Enough of us. Yeah, okay. <laughs> besides those books, <laughs> besides those books, there's three books that are brilliant um, and have been really important to me. One is um, Michael Gerber's E-Myth. Yep. It's uh, uh, the E-Myth Revisited. It's quite an old book, but it's, um, it really, really gets people to understand how you build a business like McDonald's. Yep. Perfect. Which is a super systemized kind of business. That's right. I don't believe that all businesses should be like McDonald's, and I think that there's a lot of lot of room for other kind of businesses. And I'm really glad that not all businesses in the world want to be like like McDonald's. <laughs> but if you want to make a McDonald's kind of business, the the most most perfect book to read about that is the E Myth. Yep. And then there's also good lessons books. for everybody else without going to the extreme of McDonald's in terms of systemization. Yep. But yeah, I just look. I have a I have a love hate relationship with it. But um, the other two, which are the other two, which are absolute bibles of mine, and that are, I have purely only love for, is one is called 
Blue Ocean Strategy. Right. It's amazing and it tells it, it explains how to set yourself apart, uh, create a completely new market for yourself in a way. I mean, so that you yep. don't have to compete with others on price or anything ever. Yep. Blue Ocean Strategy, how to, how to make the competition irrelevant, it's called. And the last one is kind of the granddaddy of them all, um, Good to Great by Jim Collins. Right. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I could talk about that one for hours, but I won't. But it's, it's, if you read those three books, you probably don't ever need to read another business book besides yours and mine. <laughs> okay, awesome. Love that. Um, and just uh, apps that you use in your business. Do you have a favorite app that uh, yeah. you'd like to share that, that's made things really you know, efficient or easier in some way in your business? Yeah. Well, I use quite a few different ones, but the one that the one app that literally changed my life was Dropbox. All right. I don't know. If okay. People use Dropbox, but it literally changed my life because suddenly um, I didn't have to worry about uh, synchronizing things anymore, and I could, you know, if 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 this computer I'm on at this moment just literally blows up now in five seconds. Um, I can get access to all my files and all my stuff just as easily getting yeah. um, yeah. on, on, on any other computer with, <clears throat> or phone or whatever. And I know there's other things like Google Drive and, and uh, Microsoft OneDrive and Amazon has got one as well now, but I think Dropbox is just, um, they really got it going and it works really, really, really well. I mean, there's yeah. lots of people who will tell you, no, no, the other one's better and blah, 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 but oh. I've used Dropbox for, you know, for years now and it's changed my life. That's right. And I, look, I think I think the thing in that is that there are different ones, and we all kind of end up with a favourite. But the important part is that it's online, and not having all your all your files and documents and everything on a hard drive on your own computer. So then, as you say, if your computer blows up, you don't lose it all, no. and you can be operational within seconds on another machine. Yeah. And um, uh, which one one ends up using as a favourite, but certainly Dropbox was the first one out. So uh, it's the one that a lot of us got started on if we're those of us that are early adopters and jumped on board with the with the benefits of it. So, yeah, that's uh, fantastic. That's great. I hadn't uh, – I do use Dropbox. I use Google Drive as well. I kind of flick between the two depending upon what it is, which is probably not – the most efficient thing in the world, but mm. <laughs> um, but they're all both online and and everything's there, so it makes life really. really if you're a heavy Microsoft pre, uh, user, so Microsoft Excel, Word, and that sort yep. of stuff, uh, and especially if you also do use Outlook, it's worth um, it's worth looking into the Microsoft uh, alternative, Microsoft OneDrive, because it integrates super easily with uh, with with all the Microsoft products, but if you, yeah. And, and my last question for you as we're just wrapping up, mm. what's the one piece of advice you would give to our listeners on numbers, anything related to numbers? Yeah. Well, look, the, the one thing that will change your life is to get control of your break even to understand it. Um, know what it, and know what that single number is. How much money do I have to bill every week? $7,633. If I bill $7,633, I make money. If I sell $7,600, I will lose $33. And so if I do $7,600 in one week, I need to, I need to, I need yep. to do $7,633 plus $33 the week after. Um, that, that single number, being able to just focus on that one single number saying, yep. Yep. am I okay this week or not? 
um, is it, it literally uh, it just changes your whole way of uh, of focus. And every time I've implemented that kind of clarity with people and drive it weekly because monthly is kind of too late, especially in in, in small surface kind of businesses like the plumbing plumbing or trades or you know people that have lots of small jobs that turn over quickly. Um, it just, uh, yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's perfect. You know what, I, I was presenting at a conference for allied health professionals on, on the weekend and I was hitting home about break even and knowing their numbers and we had a really great interactive conversation around what it was, how it worked, and I could see that not most of the room had, hadn't thought of it that way, didn't really know how mm. to calculate it properly and what it was and I got great interaction from it. So you and I are both on the on the on the same page on the break even. It is a number that's that it's because I think it's not on the financial reports that people get given and are used to seeing. Yeah. It's not a number that is talked about and many accountants don't worry about it. They're just looking for profit and mm. the just knowing what that number is, I know it's made my life easier. It's, it's certainly making the life of my clients easier. And I have to say, I could see the kind of the lights going on, you know, in the minds there going, oh, oh, that's good. And how can we work that backwards? And, you know, these, the, you know, a lot of health professionals got major issues from a monetary perspective in terms of some of the rules and regulations about their hourly rates. And they very much are time for money type of businesses so understanding how much they need to make to just you know how many hours they've got to work every week just to break even is a is a is a key metric for them to to kind of get a handle on how they're going or how well they're well they're tracking so and it's really quite it's it's, it's really quite nice what happens if you so if you're a if you're a, a chiropractor for example like an allied health professional um and you you know that you've got to bill 15 hours every week you've got to see 15 clients every week to feed the machine to feed the feed the overheads to pay the overheads and all that kind of stuff it's actually really nice because what happens is that you get to 15 hours that week yep and you go cool really great now the next hour i do is for me yes <laughs> and it's a really nice feeling yep. you get this really positive uplift in your week uh, you go oh, right. This what I'm doing now. Now, now I'm actually working for me. I've I've done my my duty to my business. I've I've fed the monster. It's it's going to sleep until next week now. And now I'm working for me. Yeah, it's actually a really nice feeling. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's I think I think the other thing is when you do know what that number is, and yeah, whether it's the hours or the dollars or a combination of it, that yeah, it does. It just takes a whole level of stress away from. Mm. Yeah, you know, am I making money? Or am I not making money? Geez, I'm going to have to work, you know, a bit harder because they just because not knowing it's that whole thing about not knowing what your numbers are massively increases the stress levels. When you know what your numbers are, then it's like okay, yeah, like I've done my 16 hours now. Now the rest of this week is for me. That's um just a whole different mind shift there that uh, is massive. So mm. no, it's nice. Excellent. Thank you, Roland, so much for joining me today. It's been been fun. Certainly some enlightenment in there in terms of uh, what the key numbers are and what you're looking at from a metrics mm. perspective. And as as we've talked about, it's not always about the dollars. It's uh, Sometimes it's all the other numbers that are important. So yep. thank you very much for being on the 
on the show. We will have in the show notes all the links to the various things that Roland has mentioned, including the books and his books and access to Roland. So do check out the show notes and go to amandafisher.com.au for more information. Thank you for listening to the Seeing Through the Numbers podcast. Make sure you subscribe to get notifications of upcoming episodes so that you don't miss any. Looking forward to seeing you in the next episode.